podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello, it's Steve Bloomers Washing, the Derby County podcast for episode 36, and it's all looking pretty rosy for the Rams right now, isn't it? Ten points from four gruelling league fixtures, a brave cup performance against a world-class side, and how we fa- have we found a new hero in Jack Marriott? I'm Chris, and joining me to assess the last fortnight for the Rams, it's the Mick Beck and Stern John of the podcasting world, <laughs> Richard and Tom, you alright? Yeah, who's who? Uh, I'm not sure. Tom's Mick Beck because of the hair, I think. Yeah. Or lack of. And I'm Stone John because of the goal scoring record. <laughs> Zero. It's a bit like you and who am I, isn't it? Neither's <laughs> ideal. So, as well as reviewing the Chelsea and Birmingham games on the podcast this week, if you've ever been to Pride Park this season, you'll have seen and heard that fantastic pre match poem on the big screen. And we spoke to the man behind it, local boy and lifelong Derby fan, Jamie Thrasavulu and he gave us a full reading of We Are Derby, so you don't want to miss that one. And we're also getting a Villa view ahead of Derby's next league game. It hasn't quite gone to plan for the Brummies in eighteen nineteen, has it? And we found out Villa fans' take on the season so far. But this is your first Who Run My Clue. What's the score? Do you know what the score is? 2-1? Two, 2-1. Two, two, two or 3? 2-1. 2-1. Two, 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 probably 2. Lost count already. I scored 9 goals for Derby County. Stan John. Nick Albeck? Neither. Neither. Next. We will revisit this and get the answer and more clues at the end of the podcast. So we were both at the Birmingham game, coach over the weekend. I mean, it's it's one of the worst football cliches imaginable, isn't it? But it really, it really was a game of two, or a performance of two halves at least, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't a terrible first half, but I think ineffective, sloppy first half, and then very impressive kind of back to... Yeah, normal service resumed in the second half. I would say, Tom, you've see, you've seen the you've seen the best of the action from it. Anything to be concerned about from that first half? What do, what, what do you think we weren't doing or were doing that was so that was so sluggish? Was it just a hangover from the Chelsea game? Do you reckon? Yeah, perhaps. I think um, one thing I did sort of pick out from the highlights. I thought we seemed to be a little bit deeper defensively, and there was a bit more standoffishness uh, in this little midfield. Their goal, I think, came from the the sort of fact that we didn't get into them and get tight to them like we have been. Uh, in the past and maybe that's because Davis is coming for Tomori so Davis is a big strong lad not as quick whereas Tomori uses pace to recover and Davis is more naturally defensive and I thought that Davis and Vogel were both a little bit deeper than perhaps they needed to be when the ball comes back across the goal um, and perhaps sort of, if we'd have been a little bit higher up the pitch we would have cleared that ball and had no problems It's quite ironic I think that uh, we've been one of the reasons to call uh, Davis back in is to deal with balls into the box a bit better and actually it was Davis not really dealing properly with a ball into the box which led to that goal I think part of that's probably a little bit of rustiness uh, on Davis's part obviously it's his first action for quite a while um, and I think to take Tom's point on I think the reason maybe we were perhaps a little bit deeper than we have been recently was because we didn't have the fastest player in the championship which was uh, Tomori on the pitch I do think that you can't necessarily blame any of the defenders for that goal the, the ball goes down the line the the pullback is well worked and Jukovic buries it very nicely. Um, you've got to give credit to the, the Birmingham players for the move and also for the finish. We could be nitpicky and say, yeah, OK, Davis maybe could have been back in position. And yes, it might have been rustiness, but he's trying to get back into position. He's not set, and that's perhaps why he misses it. I mean, Birmingham did exactly what he'd expects a team to do in that position, didn't they? They went 1-0 up pretty early, uh, away from home, but they didn't do what Brentford did, and they sat back 
in a much more organised defensive shape. They were more physical. They tried to hit us on the break, which is basically what Brentford didn't do at all. And it looked for a while like it was going to be just a really frustrating afternoon, didn't it? So it must have been one hell of a, t- one hell of a team talk from uh, Lampard at half-time. Yeah, it must have been. In, in the comments from both Davis and Lampard post-match, they kind of said that the, the main problem from the first half was not moving the ball quick enough. And in the second half, they definitely did move the ball from left to right quicker to open up the gaps to move forward into midfield and then get the likes of Wilson and Holmes, who we'll, we'll talk about in a bit more detail, to kind of get on the ball and turn and run at the run at the Birmingham defence and, and, and the deeper line midfielders. I think where we probably missed Mount, I don't think we missed him a great deal, but it seemed to me, as you say, Birmingham didn't press our back four. They let us come towards the halfway line, but they really blocked off Huddleston getting the ball, which is where we really play and open teams up. When you've got Mount as well, you've got another player who's very comfortable collecting the ball under pressure and then making space for others. We just, I think, missed that extra quality with, with back to goal. Interestingly, after the game, uh, Curtis Davis said that Derby were predictable uh, and boring in that first half. And that took me back to the sort of opening games of the season, um, the Reading game in particular, but then some of the others through August, where we had a lot of the ball, but we didn't really do too much with it. We weren't going through the lines and we weren't uh, finding space in behind. Like, we weren't getting the ball forward enough, uh, quick enough. So lots of predictable and boring possession, but not a lot of end product. The last month or so has been the complete opposite. We've had a lot of the ball at times, um, and we've created loads of chances. And in fact, against Chelsea on Wednesday, we didn't have much of the ball, but we created a ton of chances, which just shows how creative we have been. Um, and maybe that was that first half was a bit of a step back to what it had been before, uh, a bit more predictable. That's just what happens in general, though, isn't it? When a team takes a lead against you and they just sit back, keep a disciplined shape. We were talking in a book before about, and someone made the point to us, how if teams try and out-football Derby, they'll probably get undone most of the time. Um, unless it's Chelsea but um, <laughs> but it's it's just really hard to break teams down and we're not the only team who who struggle in that way but Tom when the when the equaliser did come it was from a player who now literally has the most assists for a fullback in the division the first of his two against Birmingham big Craig Forsyth decent ball in wasn't it yeah it was a good move beforehand and then I think it was Dwayne Holmes who flicks the ball out to the left and Forsyth puts that, that ball that every single striker wants um, right across the six yard box and, and Bennett just has to run in and sort of bury it I think it was a, I think it was Marriott it was Marriott was it? Yeah. oh was it Marriott him, yeah. no fair enough but um but yeah, it was a great ball in from Forsyth, and what I thought, vintage Fozzie, like 2013-14 vintage of like him getting down the wing and putting balls in, like dangerous low balls across the box, like a la that Will Hughes goal against Brighton, and he puts the ball low into the box. Um, obviously, slightly different angle, but that's exactly what I want to see from him. He's not, he's, I mean, he did whip in that cross for Jerome in the playoffs, but Fozzie isn't great at whipping in like a, a curled ball in the air, is he? Like He's more about fizzing it low behind the fullback. Yeah, I think that's what he's more often uh, associated with. But can I surprise you? Not only is he the highest assist-making fullback in the championship, he's Derby's highest assist-making player in the league this season. Of all time ever. <laughs> in the league this season. That is quite uh, a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's, in, he's joint on four with uh, loads of other players and the, and the highest assist-making in the league is on six, I believe. For, for a left-back who isn't even the regular left-back... That's well, he has bad. been. He's played more left backs than anyone else uh, for us this season. Well, not no one's really disputing that he is decent going forward, but yeah. it's his defensive, a defensive part of his game where he struggled, and he, he was pretty solid against he Birmingham. Was, I thought like, he, he he didn't make any particularly rash decisions. I don't think um, he used it sensibly. His distribution was was pretty sound. He was arguably 
the best defender, really, if you actually think about mistakes made. I think, arguably, he was man of the match on Saturday against Birmingham. Um, in the first half, well, a lot of other players were kind of not losing their heads, but were just off it and sloppy and passes going astray. I'm pretty sure Forsyth did also put one or two passes astray, as, as, as did others. But he, as you said, he was pretty solid. He was one of the better players in the first half and then delivers two two assists in the second. He also almost set up uh, a third goal in, in the first half, um, which was when he won the ball off Diego Jota, wasn't off it? Jota on, yeah. right on the Birmingham goal line and then put in another great ball across the box and somehow it evades Marriott and others. So yeah, I thought he had a brilliant game and unlike last season where Olsen and Forsyth were competing to be the worst left back in the league, Malone and Forsyth appear to be really pushing each other on this season. One player who did come in to make his full debut just the uh, just the 87 days after we actually signed him was uh, was Dwayne Holmes he was pretty impressive wasn't he I thought he uh, he had a really encouraging positive first uh, first game absolutely and considering that we probably didn't expect him to see we didn't expect him to make his debut in a central midfield role you know essentially filling in for Bryson or Mount really uh, we, I think we expected to see him in a more attacking role but just like Harry Wilson shown he can play there Holmes, particularly second half, really showed his quality. As soon as he started getting on the front foot more, and Holmes was getting it on the half turn and could run at the run at the Birmingham defenders, they looked petrified of him. And he just looks like another great option to play in what is becoming increasingly a really flexible system that Lampard's got in place. Has a nice little ability to just drift between challenges, Holmes, doesn't he? And because uh, he's because he's quite short and slight, not dissimilar to the way Wilson does it and Mount as well. But he also I was impressed by how well he did the you know the the, the pretty unglamorous dirty stuff like work, like winning second balls and getting it out of his feet and pushing us up the pitch um, when it's important it's so important not to lose the ball and not to hold on to it for too long yeah in, in that transition period yeah for the um, was it the second no the third goal wasn't it Marriott's goal where he broke down in front of us because we were in the east, east stand. stand and I was like go on you know get it at your feet get it down the line but he checked back on himself and I thought oh you know the move's gone but he just sort of popped a little five yard pass inside to, to Forsyth had the awareness to keep the move going in a sensible way um, gave Forsyth the space to charge through the middle and that led to the assist for the uh, third goal yeah absolutely I, I just thought that he, he grew into the game as a lot of the players did yesterday and it's just really nice to see Lampard giving opportunities to all these young players and giving them the confidence to play in a position that probably is relatively new to him maybe he's been training in that position for the last month or so maybe that was always the plan I really do think that Lampard's decided now you know, if there was ever if there was ever games where you weren't going to play all these attacking players in the middle of the park, it would have been Chelsea, Borough away, and maybe Birmingham at home when they're going to give you a more physical test. But he's just he, Lampard seems completely committed to playing attacking players all over the pitch, and it, I really wonder what that what that's going to mean for Craig Bryson when he's back fit. And I wonder, does that also mean that Johnson is only now Hodgson's deputy, and he won't see Johnson in any other position apart from filling in for Hodgson when he needs to? Well, it's, you know, we're going to need the squad, aren't we? And I'm sure just because those players aren't featuring or out of favour doesn't mean they won't have a, a big contribution to make after Christmas when uh, when everyone loses confidence during the February slump. <laughs> I, I do, yeah, I do think it's good and important to have that um, that depth in the squad. And I think the, the home exemplifies that. I'd almost forgotten that we'd signed him um, because he's not really been in around that first team 
team squad and he's come in and he's done an excellent job I've agreed with you Chris I think he's quite slight so uh, he's got a low centre of gravity he seems to sort of drift around people but he does a lot of, sort of the grafting work as well but let's not forget he's a relatively experienced man like he's he's made sort of 78 or 80 appearances for Scunthorpe he's had other loans elsewhere so he's not like he's coming in having never played football before he's coming in off the back of some experience he's not been able to break into the Derby first team if he does and he continues to play like that I can't see him getting getting kicked out of it another all-action display from Jack Marriott as well, of course. Five in his last six now, and six for the season. Watching him against Birmingham, he's he's also got that low centre of gravity, hasn't he? Which makes him such a handful for defenders. I particularly noticed it in the build-up to the first goal. He always plays off the shoulder of the centre-back, always gives him something to think about. And he's been absolutely predatory in front of goal recently, hasn't he? Um, a touch of the Dean Saunders about him, do you think, Kutch? Yeah, I think that's, that's the most common uh, comparison we've heard. Uh, Bobby Davidson as well. Who was a bit before our time, so we can't yeah. have as much to say on that one. But. Yeah, Dean Saunders is. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember Dean Saunders uh, from from my younger days, um, and he's he's just electric in front of goal. You know, he just hits a target a bit like it will come on to Wilson maybe on his free kick delivery. But Marriott just keeps hitting the target, and he could have had a couple of others. He had another one on one in the first half. He's always on that shoulder, as you say, which really really um, terrorizes defenders and makes them nervous. Um, if he stays fit, he's got to be on for twenty goals a season. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And I, I love, I love watching him play football. He's like all action. He bustles in and out, um, but he's got a bit of composure as well. The way he took the goal against Chelsea, um, what he did on on Saturday in terms of like beating Camp from a really narrow angle. You might think that someone who wasn't in form, didn't have the confidence, may have may have panicked or or just swung a boot at it, but he composed himself and was like, I'm going to beat Camp and absolutely drilled it past him. He also, I quite liked, um, I don't think Derby have had a player like this for a while. He drove from fairly deep and then hit shots from quite long range. He did one or two in the first half uh, and then one in the second half. It just shows how much confidence he's got at the moment um, and long may that continue. I love him. I think he's great. He also is more than just, he's more than just a fox in the box type player he's got he's got real build up uh, play to him he can, he can see a pass as well I mean he set up the I think it was his knock back for Bryson um, earlier this season um, when we scored straight from kickoff, um, he he played the ball to uh, Forsyth as you mentioned earlier to set up the Bennett goal. Um, he's always he seems to be quite aware of everything around him, not just where the goal is, which is really important. But he's also willing to lay it off other players to score as well. Obviously for Harry Wilson against West Brom as well. A cup, a hint of fortune about definitely the second and third goal against Birmingham but I think we'll do that really won't we after uh, scoring three own goals in half an hour <laughs> not having a, conceding a shot on target but conceding three goals in the last two games exactly yeah, definitely needed that well I mean let's be honest Lee Camp should have done better for the third goal really shouldn't he yeah I thought he looked pretty shaky all game to be honest he got the usual abuse from the Derby County fans and um, and obviously we all reveled in it once he once he conceded that third I mean the one the free kick um, that Harry Wilson scored it was the defender did kind of lift it over Camp um, so I'd be probably a little bit harsh on Camp because he was diving he was already diving down to block it low at his near post and end up going above him this, the third one though how Marriott is beating him at his near post from what two yards off the byline if yeah. not even that Camp, on the Camp's angle got history for that I mean a, a little known man called Jamie Ward uh, scored a, a really important equaliser at the city ground by beating him from, from that sort of position so maybe we should just come to expect it from Lee Camp I did notice or Tom you noticed a couple of things about Jaden Bogle had a, had a tough afternoon against Birmingham didn't, didn't, have, didn't have the best game but I mean the, the fans weren't quite getting on his back as such but he definitely made a few poor decisions but 
the positive is that he needs bad games like that to make him a better player, doesn't he? That's the only way he's going to improve by by having like five out of ten games like he did against Birmingham. I think he had a five out of ten first half, but second half he was much better. He got on the front foot a lot more. He was winning the ball. He was winning 50-50s, but we weren't winning in the first half. And as a result, he was able to break forward a bit more. I mean, he played in... Bogle did play in Marriott earlier in the game, and Marriott missed his one-on-one. Um, so, but Bogle, he had yeah, he had some poor moments. I think he misplaced more passes than anyone else in that first half. Uh, but he definitely grew into the game, and that's a bit like in that first half against Chelsea, where he really struggled against William, as as most right backs would. Um, he really grew into that game as well. So he's not he he has a good reaction in him, you know. And if you can do that during a game, then he should be able to do it from game to game as well. But if the fans are getting on his back, it's probably because he set the standards so high. I think that's poor though if the fans are getting on his back I mean obviously I wasn't there uh, and the point you said earlier that I, I noticed for the first goal Wilson seems to be imploring him to close down Jukovic because he sort of sits in deep but level with Davis but there's no threat there so he could have easily put, pushed on but it happened so quickly back. and also it I'm did, sure yeah. he was expecting Davis to clear that ball I, I wouldn't cool. put any blame on Bogle for that for that first goal no it's, it's not a blame it's a sort of a technical could he have been closer and tight to the man and made it more difficult Jukovic still finished it brilliantly it still might have gone in but could he have done that and it's it's not saying that Bogle was at fault or even Davis was at fault for that, that Birmingham goal yesterday they perhaps could have done something slightly different which may have changed the result it, it may not have done um, and I think maybe just a, a few small things like that are, are happening uh, with Bogle he's 18 and he's done fantastically well Finally, I'll leave you this one, which was uh, my favourite reaction to the, the Birmingham result was uh, Dwayne Holmes' tweet. Uh, he responded to Tom Huddleston, who said, um, great to get 150 appearances and great to see Dwayne Holmes make his debut. And Dwayne Holmes replied saying, uh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that Derby retweeted that as well. It's a yeah. good bit of uh, enjoyment, a good bit of banter. Can't put a price on uh, on comedy. So. Yeah. Team spirit seems high? It does, it does. Um, now... We're in early November, of course, so that means we've produced a, another monthly review for October. Uh, Jonathan Rogers, friend of the podcast, had a few things to say about Derby's uh, well roller coaster October. All those, all those goals we scored: West Brom, Norwich, uh, QPR. All those own goals we scored. All those own goals, yeah, yeah, but at, at both ends. Um, so do visit stevebloomerswashing.com to have a read of our opinion piece for October. Now Steve Bloomers Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, the family run microbrewery and a pub operator in Derby with three venues across the city. Had another couple of drinks in the tap for Birmingham, didn't we? Had a couple of Frank Lampard IPAs, or Super Frank IPAs I believe they're called, which I quite enjoy. Had a tropical IPA which went down an absolute treat. Oh, very nice. So yeah, give, uh, give those guys a follow on social or pop in for a drink. Uh, we'll be back in the second half. Follow us on social, of course, at Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and the email is stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com. Back in a sec. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Now, if you've been to any Derby County home games this season, you'll have seen a welcome addition to the pre-match routine and the excellent We Are Derby poem which gets belted out on a big screen alongside a video montage of the Rams' best moments to pump up the players and fans before kick-off. The powerful words from that pre-match war cry are by Derby poet and lifelong Rams fan Jamie Thrasavulu. So we met up with him before the Birmingham game where he gave us his own rendition and told us the inspiration behind it. 
Jamie Thrasavulu, welcome to the podcast. So for fans who aren't aware of your work, tell us about your living as a, as a poet and, a, and an educator. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I've been fully, you know, fully professional employed poet probably for about two two and a half years now so that's just making my living doing that before that I was a painter and decorator and I was studying I'm now doing a master's so I sort of um, find myself you know studying at university and getting paid for doing various gigs in terms of the poetry like so I get paid to perform all over the UK and yeah I've worked in some some great environments as well I'm currently the writer in residence at um, Foston Hall Prison where I work alongside um, basically people with borderline personality disorders. I work for Derby Adult Learning Services as well, doing a lot of work in the community, encouraging them to be creative, basically, and sort of taking poetry to places it, it might not go to. Yeah, and I work a lot in schools, colleges, universities. It's an interesting life because you're always doing something different. Now, talking football. Yes, football. The, the important subject. So what have you made of the first few months of the Frank Lampard era? Oh, it's, uh, it's been unbelievable to be honest. I can go back to the baseball ground when I was younger and remember, you know, seeing Dean Saunders, so they were really exciting times. Um, and then obviously the Jim Smith era, don't really need to say anything about that because it's just a fantastic. And besides that, you know, you probably, obviously, you know, we got promoted under Billy Boy, um, but it wasn't so much attractive football. That's and a big change, isn't it? Yeah, really? it's that a big change. And, you know, we had it under Steve McLaren. It was absolutely awesome. You know, like, like the, the when he first came in, that football he played was brilliant and I don't think we've seen that until until now until I mean the last sort of what five or six games we've just you know some of the football we've played it's astonishing been, it's been electrifying at times, yeah really it? good yeah yeah it's awesome yeah but one of the big changes this season of course on top of the new staff the new players is the pre-match routine at Pride Park and your role in it through the We Are Derby poem so tell us how, how did that poem come into existence how did it all get started I'd originally written a bit of a poem that was just about the old baseball ground and it was just about the image of you know kids having a kick around on the ashes of our old baseball ground kind of thing and I did a gig on Normington Park and and, and got asked to chalk up a, a verse and then Punjabi Rams saw it retweeted it then Owen Bradley got in touch from Rams TV and they just sort of said you know we're looking for someone because Frank had Frank and the team had asked for like someone to do sort of a a motivational poem about the city. So yeah, they came to me luckily, which it, which is which is good because I'm you know lifelong fan. To be honest, it was it was good for me as well because Derby really is pretty bad at showing off its heritage, and it's and it's very it's got a very rich heritage. So it was a nice opportunity to be able to do that and celebrate the the city's history and the football club's history all in one sort of package. What was like the starting point for it? Were there certain things that you wanted to get in there from the start, like certain references? To the city and the team. Yeah, definitely. You know, there were there was a few more that I wanted to get in, but the, but but we sort of left them out. You know, because they were a bit a bit more tongue in cheek. But you, I mean, you'll hear what's going on in there. There's references to all sorts of periods of our history. There's some good little wind up moments in there. I think there's a good wind up moment about the uh, you know Paolo one shop incident at Old Trafford. I was one of the the kids that went to school and. The team everyone supported was Man United. Do you know what I mean? It was like, oh yeah, glory, glory, Man United. But you were born in born in Alveston. It was a nice feeling to be able to go in on that Monday morning, and for once they just couldn't say anything, and it was dead nice. So, so that had to go in the poem because I think anybody who experienced that as a Derby County fan knows what I'm saying. There are certain things in the poem that you, you, that they are context dependent, I suppose. It's been played at every 
home games since, since Ipswich. And, and you're, yeah, since the one of the first home games this season. And your face is on it at the beginning. How have you, <laughs> how have you found things since? Like, do you get recognised around the ground in the city, that sort of thing? No, it's all right. It's okay because I'm just, <laughs> I'm fine. just on it at the start, so that's that, that's kind of quite good. Obviously, the the there was the interview that went on Rams TV as well, so a few people have noticed me from that. But I suppose in a way, people can track me down quite easily. So I just, it's more of people have just said a lot of nice things on social media and got in touch that way. It's not a case of I have to put a bag over my head when I go out in public or anything. So it's it's kind of. It's, it's pretty cool, which is, yeah, that's pretty sound, really. You must be really proud, really, as a, as a lifelong fan. You're asked to do this. It's your work that's being played to the players and the fans. It must be re- a really proud moment for you to help bring fans together and help inspire the team for your work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the fact that, and let's hope we keep it going, let's touch some wood, because we're still unbeaten since the poem at home since the poem's been getting played at home. So we've not been beaten at home since the poem's been getting played. So... You know, if I've done nothing else, at least I've at least it's helped send us on a little a little good streak at home, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm immensely proud of it. I, I think as a writer, you don't really stay proud of things for too long, if that makes sense. I am proud of it. Don't get me wrong, but you're always thinking about the next thing that you can do that's good. I don't envisage it will be the last poem I ever write about Derby County. Finally, as a treat for our listeners on Steve Bloomer's washing, you very kindly agreed to perform the poem in full. So, in your own time, this is Jamie Thrasavulu and his poem, We Are Derby. We are Derby, rail track city, birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, where inventors span cogs to engineer solutions. We're a city that delivers, from Royal Mail PO boxes to Royal Crown Derby China, craft and specialisms our definer. We are Derby, bearers of Joseph Strutt's philanthropy, Erasmus Darwin's philosophy, where Florence Nightingale hatched plans to revolutionise the healthcare of England, where engineers with dirty fingernails, graft and sweat pump through our veins, where Rolls-Royce engines, Belper nails, Toyota motors, Bombardier trains, we are Derby, a picture painted by Wright, a building designed by Pickford, We're artistic souls and working minds with a heritage built on cognizance. The underdog city of Middle England. Entrepreneurship exemplified. Where independent businesses thrive. The real ale capital. A beer festival. Every night. We are Derby. Where the Ram is our symbol. The city it's beating heart. We've lived through hard times. Persevered. Our people possess the spark. We are Derby County. Formed in 1884, 100 years before I was born. Under Clough and Taylor came the glory days, the heritage they forged. Their legacy still remains where on Shaftesbury Cres the kids now play. Where houses stand and turf once lay on the ashes of our baseball ground. They laugh and have a kick around as Stevie Bloomer watches down. The city's pride emanates the ground. We are Derby. On that Monday morning after that one-shot weekend, driving all those Man United fans completely round the bend. We're resilience in the flesh. We've never settled for second best. Just walk these streets, you'll feel the pride. It's in our DNA. We are Derby, where the future's bright, bright black and white, 
whoever the opponent, we'll take the fight, we'll sing the songs, we'll sing them loud, whatever gets thrown at us, the ambition's here, the time is now, our loyal supporters will see us proud, with our new blood, we can make the push, and forge new histories to elevate this club, back to the top, where we belong, the ambition here is bubbling strong, we are Derby, Derby County. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much, Sean. I'm getting goosebumps. No problem, no problem. I'm I'm glad I didn't budge it up. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for doing that. Before you go, you've got a book out already, haven't you? You've got another one next year. Where can people find out more about you? So The Best of a Bad Situation was published by Silhouette Press last year. You can get that from Waterstones or any books. If they've not got it on the shelf, you can order it through them anyway, certainly. Um, Go to my website, jfrass.com. So that's J thras.com and my next book Our Man will be out next year through Burning Eye Books Superb stuff Jamie thanks ever so much again enjoy the rest of the season and enjoy it today hopefully we get the three points cheers stirring really great stuff there from Jamie Thrasivulu Um, great to hear from him and make sure you do check out his website and book a quick word on Chelsea then before we move on chaps Um, we're all there another ground from 92 for you Tom you were pretty happy about that weren't you Granny, granny, I've been to before. Delighted with that. And uh, two goals. You'd think... Now, you'd think a game where Derby conceded three first-half goals, two of which were own goals, you'd think there'd be a lot of negativity from uh, from fans after that. But the entire fan base, from what I saw, seemed united at being really proud of how we took the game to a world-class side. We did. And we, we played really without any fear. And it would have been easy to do that, particularly after nailing the back of your own net twice. Um, but they just played with confidence they didn't let anything get to them they had a big decision go against them as well after those two own goals um, we looked clinical in the final third You know, particularly the first half we took those two chances really well Waghorn arriving at the back post uh, which, which was good to see and we've seen that a few times recently and Bennett then copied him on Saturday wasn't, wasn't as clinical when he got put clean through and scuffed it straight to the keeper I, yeah, <laughs> I, over, didn't he? I, I can't work out if he actually did stumble or if he was trying to actually what would have been quite a cute finish with his left foot um, past the keeper was was it a fall when he led and that led him to do that I don't know I think well, we were we were in the tap before the Birmingham game we sort of agreed that Waghorn appeared to have a quick glance up before he took it on which put him off and the ball got stuck under his feet but anyway um, I was looking at the teams for that really for that game and it put it into a bit of perspective really I mean Chelsea's midfield three Kante um, Angolo Kante Fabregas Kovacic four Premier League winners medals two World Cup winners a current Ballon d'Or nominee and nearly 200 international appearances between them and that's not even their first choice midfield three a few Chelsea fans I spoke to the next day seemed genuinely impressed with how Derby took the game to them and they did say they did say to me and we said to other people that we didn't think on the second half evidence that Derby wouldn't disgrace themselves in the Premier League on, on that on that basis. I think I think Derby were excellent the way we got the ball forward and we had a go at them. Um, if we think about the chances that uh, came and went at various points, there was obviously the Waghorn chance in the first half, um, Marriott when it was palmed onto the top of the uh, top of the net, Nugent hitting the post, there was like efforts from Mount. Um, we, ha- we had real chances in there and the, the thing that I found quite interesting is that I look back and Carson made two quality saves, but he makes those two saves from corners you'd be expecting uh, the championship side to be trying to trying to create chances through set pieces I don't remember an open play opportunity really for Chelsea that didn't go in the back of the net 
And for what it's worth, Tamori's own goal was absolute comedy gold, wasn't it? It was hilarious. It's painful. I love watching the away <laughs> end reaction to it. It's like, huh? I mean, it was frustrating. And as soon as that goal went in, I mean, I don't know about you boys, but my first thought was, oh shit, how many is it going to be tonight? If, if we're giving away goals like that after five minutes... Yeah, how bad is this going to get? Because as you said, Chelsea put out a really strong team. Um, you know, most most Premier League teams would struggle to get a result against against that lineup. And just to come back to how we played. I tell you what, Huddleston still belongs to that level, doesn't he? Huddleston looked absolutely on the pace. Passing was fantastic. Switching the play, his his lovely stroll forward to set up. Uh, Marriott's goal was yeah, just, and, and and pressing as well. Like yeah, pressing again. He took it on from the West Brom game where. We were really pressing them high up the pitch. Huddleston was really... He was almost leading the charge from deep, if that makes sense. It's easy for Marriott to chase down centre-backs, but when you've got our deep-line midfielder pressing onto their deep-line midfielders, you know we really mean business on the press. It could have been so different as well, couldn't it? For a split second, as I tweeted at the time, it felt like there was a moment where we're in a parallel universe where Richard Keogh was like an accomplished (laughs) target man, the way he chested that ball down, but he just couldn't quite get enough on it to uh, to stick it in if that had gone in I, I, look, I looked around after he, he missed that and there was just looks of absolute stunned disbelief that, that Keo was even in that position it was a quality touch and he almost finished it brilliantly and in fact uh, the most expensive defender in the world on Saturday night did exactly the same thing and Keo looked exactly the same touch and then uh, tr- hit it first time and the goalkeeper managed to save it so Keo Van Dyke, two peas in a pod <laughs> Kutch you said you were basically celebrating that Nugent chance because you were we were in the lower tier me and Tom in, in like shed lower you were like behind the goal more so you were like behind the line of the ball and you said you were celebrating it as it was trickling towards the goal yeah I, I was behind just to the right of, of the right hand post which he, which Nugent hit uh, and it obviously bounced out into the keeper but I was already basically jumping on some stranger to my left celebrating the fact it was obviously going in and even when it hit the post I still thought it was going into the goal rather than into the goalkeeper's uh, forgiving hands I really thought Nugent had buried that it was actually quite a, a it was quite a tight angle for Nugent to, he, he really made a good effort there I'd, and uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think he was expected to score that uh, it would have been great for either him or Keogh to get the to get that equaliser and we definitely deserved it we definitely deserved at least penalties yeah I totally agree that we deserved at least penalties we created chances we, we matched them uh, going sort of toe to toe with one of the best sides in the land they had 70% possession, but as I mentioned earlier, I don't really think they created too much. They they moved the ball so quick, and that's the difference. And they had so much control over the ball. But when we went forward, I thought we were devastating. Jack Marriott, like, he ran his socks off, and the finish, like great touch, composed himself, and just hammers it past Caballero. I know that five years ago, you know, dominating possession was the vogue thing to do, but we've we've all seen now that's not that's not how you necessarily win matches anymore. It's about how who creates the most chances. We created more shots on target than Chelsea. Chelsea's first shot on target put them three two up. I mean that is ridiculous. They was their 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 first shot on target was their third goal, and then second half we created far more better chances than them. Aston Villa next up then for Derby County. They haven't started the season the way they'd have wanted. No Steve Bruce there, of course. Anymore, it's Dean Smith at the helm. He was linked with a Derby job in the summer, wasn't he? And uh, John Terry as his assistant. So what can Derby expect from Villa at the weekend? To find out, we've got a friend of the podcast and Villa season ticket holder, Ben Redding, on the phone. How you doing, mate? How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Good to hear from you. Um, so Villa, five points and nine places worse off than at this stage last season. Still early days. 
of course, in the Championship season. But how would you sum up the uh, the campaign for Villa so far? I think it's been really up and down, to be fair. Obviously, we had all the upheaval in the summer where we had the potential administration and then the new owners came in and obviously breathed new life, as Steve Bruce loved to refer to every press conference into the club. But, yeah, since then, I mean, we had a pretty good start, to be fair. Got a couple of wins on the board, but then sort of it came home to roost, really, the, the problems that we had last season under Bruce. The football was pretty horrible at times, and obviously the, the playoff final as well was terrible, really, in the first half. We, we just didn't turn up at all. So I was uh, very much in the anti-Bruce camp um, a few months before we left, really. But... Um, Obviously, Gladys now departed, and we've got someone in who's a Villa fan. And even in the sort of limited time he's had with the players so far, we've seen there's a definite step in the right direction in terms of style and an attempt to at least try and play some football on the floor for a change. Yeah, I've seen. Um, there's been obviously a summer of t- turmoil at Villa off the field, but there's also been quite a lot of upheaval on the field. A few loanees, Robert Snodgrass, uh, Sam Johnson, and, and Lewis Grabin leaving, and obviously the stalwart of John Terry at centre back retiring. How much of an impact has that had on your fortunes this season? I think it definitely has had an impact, but I think from from my point of view, and I know other Villa fans will feel the same. The the main issue that we've had is that. Bruce just completely neglected the, the centre-half area of the team um, in the summer. Obviously, it was fairly evident from when we lost the playoff final that, that Terry probably wasn't going to be coming back. But we didn't we didn't bring in any permanent centre-halves. We let Tommy Elphick go on loan to Hull on deadline day, which was a bizarre move, which left us with only two centre-backs. One of them's... Um, Axel Twanzebe who's on loan from Man United so we've actually only got one of our own centre-backs at the moment so that's been the main problem um, Snodgrass definitely was an assist machine um, last season he did tail off towards the end of the season but um, I think like you mentioned Sam Johnston is the big miss for us But if it's not Villa I'm just interested to see how you see the promotion picture in general, as a, you know, as a Villa fan looking from the outside in at the top six, like where do you see, who do you see being up the end of the season, and how do you see, um, where do you see Derby in that picture? Well, I mean, it's, as we've said before, I mean, it's it's an absolute mess at the moment. The Championship is, you know, it's, it's so so tight and so congested. Um, I, I do think, I do think Leeds will falter at some stage. I know they haven't been on a great run, and I know they've gone back to the top today but I can't see them staying in it I hate to say I think Middlesbrough probably will be there or thereabouts despite Pulis and the way he plays but I think he just he'll have Middlesbrough there or thereabouts I think Derby I think he'd probably be getting in the playoffs and can't see you getting automatics I think it'll all come down to how you do after Christmas because traditionally you've tended to struggle then haven't you after you've got sort of January out of the way so yeah, I think playoffs for you. I'm hoping we can get in there as well because, like I say, there's enough time for us to recover from our pretty poor start. I'm just taking comfort from the fact that Fulham were around the position we were in last season, and they, I know they went on an absolutely unbelievable run. But I'm hoping we can do something similar and put ourselves up near the top six come the end of the season. 
So Dean Smith has already been beaten once at Pride Park this season uh, when he brought his Brentford up here um, in September. How do you see Villa lining up uh, personnel-wise and tactically against Derby? Um, and who do you think the main danger men are for, for Villa? In terms of line-up, I mean, it's like I alluded to earlier. I mean, we've got very limited options defensively. So I think the back four and the keeper pretty much pit themselves at the moment. In terms of midfield... Obviously, I'm sure you're aware that our danger man will be Grealish. Whilst he hasn't been at his best so far this season, on his day, he's unplayable in that league. So he'll be the main sort of creator for us. Um, but then we've got the likes of Conor Hurahan, who I'd imagine would play. He's always a bit of a goal threat and decent on set pieces for us. And then obviously we've got Tammy Abraham up top, who's not been as good the last couple of games, but you can see why he's a Chelsea player. He's He's got a great first touch. He's always in and around the box in the right place at the right time. So, yeah, I can see us. That's how I would see us lining up, to be fair. And what's your prediction, mate, before um, before we let you go? My heart says a draw, but I think with our away form, we've been absolutely awful away. We haven't won away since the first game of the season in the league. So, I think head says probably 2-1 to you but I'd, I'd take a draw right now. Well, uh, enjoy the game, Ben, and uh, cheers for talking to us, but try not to uh, enjoy it too much. <laughs> no worries, mate. All the best. How do you both see Villa going then? I remember last season, we beat them 2-0. That was a, like, just a brilliant football occasion, that was. Like, we went to that game, like a prop two, four, or a really good crowd, at least. Um, two sides really going at it in the playoffs, and that felt like the game where the season really got started. Um, different circumstances this time. What, what do you, How do you see it going? I think... I think if we turn up, we win. Uh, I think it's that easy for Derby at the moment. I think we are the most, the best attacking team in the league. I think we're unplayable. I think we've seen teams press us high up and sit off us and still get opened up. Villa are still adapting. It'd be interesting to see what Dean Smith learned from his first trip to Pride Park. But I expect that if we uh, if we play like we can, then we should comfortably win another two 0 or three one perhaps. Just because what Kutch has said, I'm going to be the doom-monger on that. It's, it's so funny how football works, isn't it? I've talked about Derby's in, fixtures before the international break and then after. The ones before were easy, the ones after were hard. We picked up loads more points against those harder fixtures. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we, we got a draw, perhaps even uh, Villa were able to sneak a win. But at the same time, I do agree, we are in great form at the moment. Um, so I'm hopeful for a win, but I am a little bit worried. Before we go, we're going to just wrap up this episode. Who am I at the start of the podcast? I gave you both the following clue. I scored nine goals for Derby County. Tom. Lee Carsley. Incorrect. Kutch. Arturo Lupoli. Oh, both okay. excellent guesses. Yeah. Lee Carsley's not an excellent guess. Both. <laughs> you might have scored Both nine. guesses. Might have. might have. Incorrect also. I scored nine goals in 40 games. 4-0 for Derby Tom. County. Alberto Bueno. Incorrect. Kutch. Marco Reich. Also incorrect. Mm, good guess. I like Very that. good guess. Clue number three. I was born in November 1970. Catch. Tommy Smith. Tommy Smith too, is yeah, incorrect. Too That's way yeah. too young. <laughs> way too old. You know so, I mean. 1970. Uh, Tom, is it Asanovic? Asanovic is incorrect. Clue number four. Other clubs in my career included uh, Leicester City, Crew and Sandra. Paul Dickoff. Incorrect. <sighs> Can you finish the rest of the club? And <laughs> Manchester City. Uh, Tom. Spencer Pryor. Incorrect. Clue number five. I joined Derby County in 1996. 
from Norwich City. I don't know. Any ideas, Kutch? Norwich City. Um, no, I'm not sure. Clue number six. I left Derby County in 1997. So I scored nine goals in 40 games for Derby. Basically, basically you played in 90, between 96 and 97. Cut. Nickelback. <laughs> it's not Stone John either. I was going to say Tom Lars Behinen. I mean, that's too no, early, isn't it? Yeah. Incorrect. Clue number seven, and possibly the killer clue, I scored the last ever league goal at the baseball ground. Tom, Ashley Ward. He is correct. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was tough. I always... Did he only play for, like, 96 and 97? So he signed him... In the, in I the promotion season. halfway through the promotion season. Yeah, because okay. he, he was in one of my sticker books that I had from the Football League. He scored the first goal at Old Trafford on that uh, famous Paolo Wontrop day as well. That was going to be one of my other clues, yeah. 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 Uh, there we go then. That's all we've got time for for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please do uh, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or leave us, even better, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it and we do enjoy the feedback. But until next time, we're going to be doing another podcast during the international break. More details on that to come in due course on our Twitter, at Steve Bloomer Pod. But until then, Richard, thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Tom, cheers. Absolute pleasure. See you again soon.